We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. It's good to see everyone this evening. We're so thankful you're here. College men and women, we are praying for you. We hope that things are going well. Classes, hope all uh, of what you expected is uh, coming to pass, all the good things and all of the other things uh, that you're dealing with, and hope it'll be a good, good semester for you. If there's anything we can do as a church, it'd be a privilege to help you in any way. It's good to see everybody that's here, visitors to the church. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. We welcome you to, in Jesus' name. We're here because of him. Those of you who are tuning in online with us uh, around country, maybe, uh, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Tonight, I'm going to talk real quickly, if I could. We're going to have, have communion at the end. I always love to have the time that we celebrate. Cele communion is a celebration. Jesus intended it for us to, to remember what he's done for us and what he's going to do for us. So it is a, me a memorial, but it is a celebration of what Jesus did on the, on the cross of Calvary. Uh, but we're going to look at a tough passage in Mark chapter 13, 3 through 23. Uh, it was my bad that it wasn't on the screen. If I would have given the right verses, it would have been up there. So uh, Mark 13, 3 to 23 that uh, Jared read to you. This passage is taught differently in a lot of different places, different commentators. Uh, it's a passage about suffering. And I just want to tell you right at the first, if you have looked at the world today that's uncertain, that it seems like it's, uh, things are changing so rapidly, there's a moral decline, there is a liberalism that is just seems to be taking over the church as Tommy says, it's not the home team anymore. It, it is not as uh, in, in society as held up. Man, when I used to say I was a pastor, it was, it was uh, I'd never known someone persecute me because of that, but those days are here and they're coming. Uh, I'll talk with you a little bit about that. But if you have looked ahead in the future and you wondered, what's it going to be like? We've read the scriptures where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in a fiery furnace. Daniel was thrown in a lion's den. But we studied that in vacation Bible school. And they had little cool pictures and everything. And it wasn't, it wasn't a nightmare. But what about, what about us? We have lived through a very unusual time in our country and in the world where God has allowed freedom in this country from persecution in many ways. Uh, that can be longer. God can bring a revival that will sweep across this land, and that's what we pray for. But what if? What if we're headed into a fearful time? What are you going to do? Have you ever thought about how will I act? Will I be brave enough? Will I have courage enough to stand up for Jesus? That's what tonight's about. You hang on, and I want to give you, I, I can't give you anything, but I want to share with you what Jesus gave to his disciples, talking about the very thing. He's getting them ready. Tough days are coming. This uh, passage is talking about certain things that Israel would go through in the land of Israel, the disciples would face. Um, there are three different things that it alludes to, and we'll, we'll walk through those quickly. But I want to focus on the keys more than the persecution and when they were uh, in, in the Old Testament, when uh, Israel is about to face it, a uh, a few years after Jesus has uh, been resurrected, and then at the end of time. Because this passage talks about, along with Matthew 24, times of suffering. What do we do when it gets tough to be a Christian? Let's look and see what it says. 
in uh, chapter 13, verse 3, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, if you've been in Jerusalem, uh, you know that's about 100 feet above where the temple and the temple mount is. So Jesus is 100 feet above sitting on that mountain where he will return one day because the Bible says that his feet will stand there upon the Mount of Olives. It will cleave in the midst and there's going to be a a great uh, victory that Jesus Christ wins. He's sitting there looking down at the temple mount where the temple is and Peter, James, and John and Andrew, this time their brother was with them, questioning him privately, tell us, when will these things be? These things are the verse we ended with last week in verse 1. He was going out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, these wonderful stones, wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you not see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And if you go to Jerusalem today, there's not one stone of that temple still there. Jesus tells the truth. So those are the things. And these guys come together and say, Jesus, tell us when. Well, we want to know that too, don't we? I think that's behind a lot of the fascination that different churches and different people have with the end times. They want to study about prophecy and when it fits. And they'll study Daniel and Matthew and Revelation. And some people, that's all they want to talk about. And they want to tell you, I think it's going to be in this time and this time and this is going to happen. It's wonderful to study what the scripture says about prophecy, realizing that we don't know very much about it. They push Jesus and they ask him questions. He's going to tell them here very plainly, there's not much he's going to give us about beforehand about some of these things. But there are some things, and that's what I want to focus on tonight. The keys that Jesus gave his disciples for when that tough time came. Very important. Very, very important. When are these things going to be? And uh, Israel was about to face a crisis. If you know your church history, you know the history of of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Just uh, not many years after Jesus left the earth to go back to sit at the right hand of the Father, um, Jerusalem was destroyed. Jesus' prophecy about that time of the destruction of the temple and no stones left was fulfilled, A.D. 70. Uh, The conditions associated with that tragedy are for that time, but it also is a foreshadowing. In the scripture, many times in the Old Testament, there are prophecies that are called near and far prophecies. Some of them have to do with something that's about to take place. It can be a literal person, king, It can be a literal virgin that's going to have a baby, but it also is a far prophecy that is going to take place also at another time in the future. There are some prophecies that are wide-ranging. Joel chapter 2, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams. Uh, And that prophecy ends with the, the sun and the moon are going to be altered, turned into blood. So it starts at a time, when the, speaking of when the Holy Spirit's given, Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. It was prophesied many, many years before that, taking place in the book of Acts, and, but it's a far prophecy too because the moon's still up there and the sun's still up there. It has not been turned into blood and darkness yet. So there are different prophecies, near and far. Some can talk about a point in time literally soon, 
and also be a foreshadowing of something in the future. And I believe that's what we see here to some extent in this passage. There's two requests that his disciples are going to ask. When and what is the sign that we can tell it started? Uh, has anybody asked you, when do you think the end of the time is? What do you think the, uh, the mark of the beast is? Uh, I've heard everything under the sun. You know, you get the mark of the beast from going to the grocery store now. Uh, you, get it, you get it everywhere. It can be any kind of shot that you take. It can be any kind of book that you read. And, uh, and guys, we don't know where all that will come. Well, we've got scanners now that can read QR codes and everything's in a QR code. That's how it's going to happen. We don't know. There can be technology we have never even dreamed about that it will look like that's how it's going to be done. That's how microchips put in our dogs, but that's just a preview. They're going to put them in us. And we can, we can really just kind of wear ourselves out thinking about all those things, can't we? Not making fun of it because the enemy's alive and well. And he's going to do all that he can to you and me. But, oh, Jesus loved his disciples and they were about to face a real tough time. And he wanted them to know, you do this and you're going to be okay. And that's what I want us to see tonight. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold in America, around the world. We don't know in Christian churches what we're going to face. But Jesus, through his word, says the same thing to us. But, oh, do these things, and I'm going to take care of you. Let's see what he said. These two questions. What will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them, see to it. Now, when you say that, uh, my parents used to say, you see to it that that room is clean before I get home. You see to it that this is done before we get back. And I don't know about you, but... Uh, both of my parents were in something called World War II. Uh, one of them was a staff sergeant in the Army. The other was in the Merchant Marines. And when they said something to us five children, see to it, we understood that. It was in plain language, and we knew. Uh, now, some of you young people, I'll tell you a story one time. This guy said, boy, my parents used to tell me things, and I was afraid to not do what they did. And uh, they left the house one night and they, one day and they said, we're going to be gone for a while. Don't watch TV. If you're under about 40, you have no idea. If you're under about 50, you have, if you're under, yeah, probably 50. So they disobeyed their parents. They turned on the television set, watched their favorite shows. And then they heard the, the muffler of the car pulling in the driveway. And they turned it off. But a long time ago, the TVs, he's already laughing over here. The TVs didn't turn off like they do today. They had, to, they had to warm up. Some of them had picture tubes in them, and then they had to cool down. And if, you're not, if you remember, there was a little white dot. So their parent pulls up in the driveway. They can hear the muffler on this car. He turns it off real quick, and all he can see is that little white dot that's still on there. And this guy said, dear Lord, I'll, I'll volunteer for the mission field if you'll make that little white dot go away. Because he knew if his mom and daddy told him to do something, he needed to do it. Jesus is saying to, to us, to them, see to it. Make sure that no one misleads you. And that's going to be number one. If you take down notes, I want you to write down number one. For the times of suffering that you and I could face, they faced, have in the past, will again. We know there'll be times of great suffering toward the end. The first one is, Jesus says, don't be deceived. 
Now that's gonna be so very important because the Antichrist, when he comes before that, there are many Antichrists that come before that. The deception of the evil one, the falling away, the apostasy of the church, it's gonna be accompanied with those that try to trick us. Can you believe everything you see in print? Can you believe everything you hear through our media? Are there a lot of ways to trick us? There is, isn't there? Well, there's gonna be so many more even when we get closer toward the end of these events that Jesus is talking about. So he says, don't be deceived. You wanna know the greatest way? Two different things. It's the word of God and the spirit of God. We gotta know the word of God. It's not just to know, not, uh, good enough to know John three sixteen. You gotta know your Bible. You can get to know your Bible right here in Denton Bible. You won't be forced to. You're gonna be highly encouraged to, but that's up to you and the Lord. You need to know your Bible. Because when you know the truth, you can recognize something that's not true. Secondly, you have got to have a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to hold on to you and to guide you and say that's wrong. The Bible teaches us through the Apostle John, test the spirits to see whether it's true or not. That's what the Holy Spirit does. does. He, he, he uh, troubles our heart when something's not right. So the spirit and the word, that's how you're not deceived. Do not be deceived. That's number one. For look what he said in verse five. Jesus began to say to them, see to it, make sure that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name. Jesus said there are gonna be people saying they are from me. There's actually gonna be some saying they were him. We've seen that in our world today, haven't we? Them people that have led cults that have said, I'm Jesus Christ. I've come back from the dead again. Uh, they talk about being another Adam. By the way, theology, the first Adam was Adam. The second Adam is the last Adam, and that was Jesus. It doesn't say he's the second. There's going to be a third, fourth, fifth Adam. It calls Jesus the last Adam. So they're not adding to anymore. Here he says, see to it. Many will come in my name saying, I'm he. I'm the one. And will, did you catch this? Will mislead many. He said they are going to be effective. There are going to be many, many, many people believe a lie. I believe in our country today, we are seeing many people swallow up lies so instantly because they're told so often. That's a trick of the Soviet Union. Do you know that? They, for many, many years, have propaganda. And they believe and they teach that if you tell a lie often enough, people will begin to believe it. The enemy does that try to convince us of something that's not true. And we hear it over and over and over and over again. And pretty soon we think, well, maybe everybody else is believing it. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, don't believe the things that are not true. Many are going to come. They're going to say that I, they're of me or I, they are me. But he said, many will be misled. I believe there's going to be a time when all of us, no matter what age we are here tonight, you're gonna be in some circumstances when the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, and by the way, when these tough times come in America, that may be just right around the corner, I say this lovingly, but you better make sure you're saved. Because if you don't know Jesus, you are not ready. If you know Jesus, he'll get you ready. 
The spirit will guide you. The word will guide you. You can hold fast and he'll get us to where, no, that's not a me. Be careful. Don't follow that. It's not true. So that's number one. It's not you studying it enough so you get it. We need to study God's word. We've got to be available and ready and faithful and he will give us his answers. So that's the first one. Many are going to be misled. Oh, what I was going to say is there will be a time when you, if it hadn't happened already, when you probably will have to stand alone with something you know is true and everybody else is saying it's not. Just realize that might be a good test for you and it may be a testimony later on that you can share. Don't be prideful about it. I know the truth and they don't. Number one, don't be, uh, don't be deceived. He goes on in verse seven. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, that, that's talking about wars. You can actually hear the sound of, the, of the, the, the war going on close to it. And rumors of wars, that's talking about you hear about wars that are abroad far away. Two different things, war close and war far away. When you hear of all those things, Jesus says the next few words, and guys, I want to tell you, he would not tell us this if he wouldn't give us the power to do it. One of the things that I want to make so clear tonight is I'm not brave enough to be a giant champion Christian and face persecution. I'm not brave enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not tough enough. I got to have something that's bigger than I. The Old Testament says run to the rock that is bigger than us. And Jesus says right here, do not be frightened. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble because I've already been afraid. Scary when we hear of people losing their jobs. I'm not talking about for preferences and opinions. I'm talking about for the word of God's sake. When we hear of people in Afghanistan, churches with little children, and they said, deny Jesus, turn away from him, and we won't kill you. And they refused to deny Jesus, and they're in heaven now. They're in heaven. There's a man at Criswell College named John Maltavon. I think he's still there. And I heard his testimony of his dad who was a pastor, and he had a Bible study in his neighborhood. And the communists of, that, of, of Romania at that time took him and killed his dad for having a small group in his house. They took John Maltavon in and said, denounce Christ. He said, I won't do it. His message that night was don't cave in. This is years and years ago. They took his best friend. I got some friends, man. I love them. I'd go to war with them. They took his best friend in the other room and they tortured him. And he heard the screams of his best friend. And they turned to John Maltavon and said, all you have to do is deny Jesus and we'll stop beating your best friend. And he said, I cannot deny Jesus. You ready for those days? Jesus said, like a daddy or a mama bending down to their little child, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You may say, how in the world would I not be afraid? Don't get up and leave. You got to see the rest of it. Do not be frightened. Those things, what's that next word in your Bible? Must take place. But that's not yet the end. The second key is don't be afraid. 
Well, already, if we're looking for key points in this passage, don't be deceived. I know that I can be tricked. I'm pretty gullible. If you come up to me tonight and you start telling me a story and it's a joke, but you don't have a smile on your face, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to go with you down that path until you start laughing. I've just always been that way. I'm trusting. So you can pull any kind of joke on me you want to. I'm just that way. But Jesus said, don't be deceived. We don't need to be misled. That's number one. Well, I have to confess, I need something that'll help me not be deceived. Because if it's not for him, I will. Secondly, don't be afraid. Now I really got to tell you, I need something I don't have on my own. Because I know I'll be afraid. Any join me? Any of you say that? I know that if it's left up to me, I'll be afraid too. Jesus said, don't be. Surely that's not the end of the passage. I'm glad it's not. Look at verse eight. For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places. There'll be also famines. These things are merely the beginnings of birth pains. Birth pains. All of you men, let's just admit something. We don't know what that is. We just don't have a clue. You know, we, uh, we hurt ourselves a little bit. And if you're like me, we let everybody know that we're hurting and some of these ladies here that have had children, uh, that's, this is a different level. It's a, it's a different thing. And birth pangs are, uh, let me just put it this way. That lovely, sweet, kind, genteel, quiet, meek woman, when those labor pains start, she turns into another person. I can testify to that. My wife is not here. But Jesus said, when you see these things happening, this is just the beginning. It's like a woman in labor. And this is like, there's going to be something happen, but this is just pains. And they come contractions. They come and then they go away. Contractions, they come and they go away. I've had uh, young people, young ladies say, boy, I'm just scared about having a baby. Don't be. Because the same God that's going to take care of us Christians he gives you ladies something special to do that. And the Bible teaches when you see that little child, uh, a lot of that pain's forgotten. Some of you women say, no, I still remember a lot of it. But Jesus said that it's forgotten because of the joy that a child is born into this world. National rise against nation, earthquakes, famines. These are the beginnings of birth, birth pains. Verse nine, he says, but be on your guard. Number one, don't be deceived. Number two, don't be afraid. I already need something I don't have. And number three, be on guard. If you're on guard, that means watching. A guard is in a certain place. The guard doesn't need to go away from his post. He or she is in a certain place so that she can make sure, he can make sure that they can see the enemy if the enemy gets close. So number three, he says, be on guard, be watchful. Be in the place you're supposed to be. I guarantee you, if I was a Christian that might have trusted Jesus at vacation Bible school at six years old, and you're in college or you're at a career right now and you're not walking with Jesus, you ought to be afraid. You ought to be afraid. Run back to him. He's ready with open arms. Run back to him and you can hear him say, I got you. Come walk with me now. Be on guard, verse nine. For they will deliver you to the courts. Jesus says there are going to be legal attacks against his people. 
He's describing what happened in a very short number of years right after Jesus was, was crucified and raised from the dead. You're going to be drugged to the court. There are going to be laws passed against what I tell you to do. It, could that ever be? Could that ever be? Could there be laws against what the Bible tells us to do? Yeah. Has been in the past, will be in the future. So they'll deliver you to the courts. You'll be flogged in the synagogues. There are going to be some people that have suffered physical persecution. I've never suffered physical persecution. I've suffered physically in some ways. How about you? But I haven't suffered, I haven't shed any blood yet for my faith. Some of you may have. I said that to a woman and I said, uh, you know, I've never shed blood. She said, I have. I've shed blood for my faith. I didn't go on and ask her what all she meant by that. But they were going to be delivered up legally. They were going to be physically, there's going to be physical suffering. And he said, and you, you disciples, will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. That very thing happened. These disciples were drug in before those magistrates and those judges, and they were accused of legal things that, they were, that were done wrong, trying to get them. That's nothing new. They passed the law against Daniel praying. And when it came down to it, break the law of the king or break God's law, what did he choose? He chose to do what God said, and God delivered him and took care of him. In verse 10, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you, hand you over, do not worry beforehand. Now, there's another place I got to stop a little bit. I don't know about you, but somebody beats me, throws me in jail, brings me up before the, the judges and the kings and the rulers of the land, and he said, oh, don't worry about it. I'm going to be worried. He would not tell them to not be worried if he wasn't going to do something spectacular during that time. Do you lie to your three-year-old when, when they see the, the wind blowing the tree outside their window and they hear it scratching sometimes on the outside of the house and you tell them, it's all okay. But the lightning and the thunder, no, it's all okay. You're not lying to them by telling them it's going to be okay. You're loving them enough to let them know, I'm right here with you. I would give my life for you. I'll protect you. Jesus is doing the same thing. Don't worry beforehand. So I got to tell you guys, if we want courage for the future, we got to have something that we don't have naturally. Jesus would not tell them, don't worry beforehand, unless he was going to do something to let them do it. Has he ever in his word, has Jesus ever told you to do anything he didn't give you the power to do? That'd be cruel, wouldn't it be? I want you to do this, but there's no way you can no, he gives us the power. Don't worry beforehand about what you're to say, but say whatever's given you in that hour, for it's not you who speak. That doesn't mean when, when Logan comes up here to preach or Corey or I do, we're just not going to study the Bible. We're not going to read anything. We're not going to prepare a message. We're just going to walk in the pulpit and whatever the Lord gives us, he's not talking about that. He's talking about when you're suffering for the faith and you're brought up before kings or rulers or whoever it may be. You don't worry about that time because something's going to happen. You're going to get some help that you never dreamed of before. And you're going to be able to say things because he's going to say them for you. Using you. You never dreamed of. Hold on. The gospel first must be preached to all the nations. 
When they arrest you, hand you over. Do not worry beforehand. But what you say, it'll be given you that hour. For it's not you who speak, but it's the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to enable Christians to be able to answer these people in ways that is supernatural, not natural, above the natural, godly, and by his power. Some of you play video games. I never grew up. They started back in the 70s when I went to college, and we had these things called arcades. They're kind of archaic now, aren't they? But you had to have quarters to put in. I didn't have any money, so I couldn't have played any of those games. Uh, Pac-Man, they came out with Miss Pac-Man, Atari. I bought one time after my wife and I got, got married, I bought an old Atari. And I, I, I told Holly, you come in here. And we played Pong. She beat me like a drum. And I put it up and never played it since. Some of you in video games, you get to a certain level but to get to the next level, you have to have something, don't you? You gotta be given some other power, some other long life. You gotta get to something that'll give you, now you can go to the next level. Well, Jesus is saying here, when this happens, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're gonna say. Don't be afraid. Be on guard. Don't be misled. Don't be afraid. Because Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's gonna do something in you and for you at that time. It's going to blow you away. Back in the book of Daniel, we don't have time to look at it tonight. But when it talks about the time of the Antichrist and all the power that he's going to be able to do, lying wonders and deceive people, it's, you read that, he's going to be able to do this and do this. He'll have arms on his side, armies. He'll have the economy on his side. He'll break his covenant with Israel. He's going to, it looks like he's just going to rule the world. And you start reading it and you just get depressed. Because it looks like the bad guy's winning. But right in the middle, right in the middle, it says, but my people. One version says, but my people will do mighty wonders. Don't worry about the time when the evil seems to be ramped up. All God's going to do is just ramp up his church even more. He's going to give us supernatural strength to do things we never dreamed of. All the children today, and we watch movies where superheroes have a superpower. I was going to pass a piece of paper through here. What would your superpower be if you, if you could choose it? I think in, being invisible would be pretty cool. I really do. But uh, somebody would probably have the ability to see invisible people. That would be their superpower. So I'd be in trouble. I want to tell you, if you suffer for your faith, if we suffer in our country as a church coming up, God's going to make us superheroes. He's going to give us supernatural power. Does that mean we're all going to be delivered? No. I'm not talking about those people in Afghanistan lost their life, a lot of them. People around the world denounced Jesus. No, John Maltafon did not denounce Jesus, and he came back, and God spared his life. I'm not talking about, oh, God's going to come in and just spare you and he'll close the mouth of the lions always. He'll stop the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He did not promise that. Do you remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? We don't know whether he'll deliver us from the fiery furnace. They're not those, those charismatic people, charismania people that said, we command in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus never told us to command anything. 
He told us to yield to him, let him take care of it. They said, we don't know whether he'll deliver us from the fire, but we do know one thing, O king. Remember that? He'll deliver us from you because the evil's not gonna win. And the Bible's just, boy, I, I don't mind telling you, I've, I've thought about the days ahead and I've thought about it for my children and my grandson and, oh Lord, it's gonna be a fearful time. And, and I read these words and it's just like he's saying, look at what I said. I got these people ready for that day and I'll get you ready for the day that you're gonna live in. And your grandson, I hear this all the time, I just don't know what kind of world my country, my grandchildren are gonna grow up in. God is the one who can take care of our grandchildren too. He knew when they would be born. He'll give them supernatural ability to walk with him in faith. Number one, don't be deceived. Number two, don't be afraid. Number three, be on guard. The gospel must be preached to all the nations. I'll give you the words to say at that time and then a very critical time, verse 12. Brother will betray brother to death. A father, his child, children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. The closest of family ties are gonna be broken down in a time of great suffering. You know, I've thought about that a lot and I thought, how could that be? I don't think about it anymore because I can see how it would be. Families in our country right now are at war with each other because we put a mask on or we don't put a mask on. I have people in my life wear them and don't wear them and I respect both of them. Take a shot or not take a shot. We are not called to be the police of this world. And we are falling into the trap of the enemy. Believe what you believe is true. Hold fast to that. But don't demonize somebody else that doesn't do what you do. We have a drum set back here. That was thought to be the devil's music at one time in our country. Did you know that? Where's the drummer? Where, there, yeah, hang in there, buddy. Don't you give up. Come back afterwards. We gotta be careful. I'm not making light of things that you believe strongly. Do what God puts on your heart. And we need to have respect for one another. Now, when it comes to God's word, right and wrong, that's a different thing. I see people turning their family in right now, betraying their family because they don't do what they do. In Nazi Germany, it got so sad that they turned in their family members and many of them lost their life. This, this will happen. The closest of family ties will be broken down in this time and it starts with political, social issues. It starts with religious issues. And remember, the enemy wants to divide us and he doesn't care how. If he divides us from people that are six feet and above, from people that are below six feet, he doesn't care. Just divide. If he divides us from people with light colored hair or dark colored hair, I don't care what you divide over, just as long as you're not together. Jesus said, a house divided against itself will not stand. So if the enemy can divide the church worldwide, church can't stand. But Jesus prayed for us in John 17 that we all be one. He's bigger, stronger than the enemy and we've got to let him do that. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, for, because of my name. I don't want to be hated. I want people to kind of like me. Is there, are there things in your life that you're willing to become a fool for Christ for? Yeah. Would you be a fool? Don't be a fool because of 
things you believe that are not true. But would you be a fool for Jesus? Yeah, he's worth it. Somebody think you're, you're uh, outdated? Yeah, I get that all the time. The church that I pastored all these years before I came to Denton Bible, I was the young guy. So I heard all those years, oh, you're too young. You're too young to be in the pulpit. You're too young. You're too young. Now I get here and I'm the old guy. <laughs> Jesus says, hold on. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end he will be saved if you will be faithful. And that's number four. You press on to the end. Don't give up. Don't cave in like that man preached. You be faithful. This world is not our home. As good as it can get in this world. And we've had it pretty good. We got food to eat and clothes to wear. If you don't have any, you let me know before you leave tonight. We got houses to, to go to, to sleep in tonight. I've had that my whole life. Haven't always had a lot of food to eat. To be honest with you, we grew up where there wasn't a lot to go around. Any of your mamas cooked fried chicken after church on Sunday morning? Anybody? Is that part of your memory? There were five of us children. You know what piece I got? The back. Do you know how much meat is on the back? of a piece of chicken there's four bites I know because I got it for years that's all I got on Sunday after church I've been making up for it ever since then I was little back then I'm not little anymore because I've been eating other pieces of the chicken but I've never gone hungry I've had air conditioning for half my life we didn't have it growing up um when there's a storm outside, I've I had a roof over my head. I've had clothes to wear. Some of the wealthiest people we all are that have ever lived to have those things. So the fourth key is, he said, you just keep pressing on. You press on to the end. You endure to the end. And I'm going to read this real quickly. But would you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be? Let the reader understand then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on the housetop must not go down, go in, in, get anything out of the house. The one who's in the field must not turn back to get his coat. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. For those days will be a time of tribulation. So it has not occurred since the beginning of creation. When he's talking about this particular time, it's never happened before, which God created until now and never will. It'll never happen again. There's three different times when Israel knew and the world knew great persecution. Jesus looked, uh, we've talked about AD 70, and uh, there was a time back in Daniel, uh, you probably studied about uh, the Syrian ruler, 167 BC. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes. He, was, uh, he erected an altar to the pagan Greek god Zeus, and he burnt the altar of the Jews of Israel and he sacrificed a pig on it, uh, the, the history books tell us. It was a great time of suffering for God's Jewish people. A.D. 70, it was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. And they were not brought back to Israel until 1948. And then there's going to be a great time of persecution toward the end of time when the events that Jesus is talking about and that final one, the abomination of desolation that stands in the holy place will be the Antichrist. 
Remember, Jesus said, there are going to be many antichrists. Anything that's anti the Bible is antichrist. But there will be one who is the antichrist, the personification of evil, and he'll be Satan's right-hand man. Verse 19, for those days will be a time of tribulation, never before, never again. Unless the Lord shortened those days, no life would be saved. He's going to shorten the days, it's so bad. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. If anyone says to you, behold, here is Christ, or behold, he's there, do not believe him. False Christ, false prophets will arise, will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed, verse 23, behold, I've told you everything in advance. We do that with our children. Let me tell you what's going to happen. My little uh, niece one time looked at her daddy, and at Six Flags, there was a, a ride that children her age could ride. And she looked at that ride and wanted to ride it, but she was scared. And she looked at her daddy, my brother, and said, Dad, will that ride hurt me? And he said, no, honey, it will not hurt you. And she marched right on there. She believed what her dad told her, and, and she, she had fun on that ride. We, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to believe what God said in his word, and he will take care of us no matter what those days. After that, verse 24, there'll be a great tribulation. The sun will be dark and the moon will not give its life. Verse 28, learn the parable of the fig tree. Don't plug Israel in there. It's not talking about 1948. There's going to be uh, things, heaven and earth, verse 31 will pass away. My words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows. If anybody tells you when the end of time is going to happen, they do not know. Jesus said, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. And the last thing he says in verse 33, take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It's like a man on a journey, leaving his house, putting his slaves in charge, signing to each one. Verse 35, therefore, be on the alert. Verse 37, what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Four different things. If you want to be ready for tomorrow... Don't be deceived. You got to know your Bible. Get in church. You're here preaching to the choir. Know the Bible. Trust the Bible. Believe the Bible. Trust the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life through the Word. Don't be deceived. Number two, don't be afraid. How do you do that? Help me. I'm going to be afraid without your strength. God, help me. He will. Number three, be on guard. You just keep watch. You just watch and be careful. Because the enemy wants us to slip up any time. If you do fall short, quickly repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. He'll say, yes, come on, let's start over. And number four, no matter what, press on to the end. He will give you supernatural strength. We're about to have communion, but I want to end. That's a large passage there. It's, a large, it's not a warm and fuzzy passage. It's talking about tough times. Jesus gave his disciples strength to do exactly what he said. They did it. And he'll do that again for his church. Four times in my life I've been near death, very close to death. Don't know why, but that's just what God's allowed to happen. And I won't go into the details, and uh, will any other time you'd like for me to, for time's sake here tonight. But I cannot leave this room tonight without telling you. When those times happened in my life, when a few seconds uh, were all that was between me and eternity, and I realized that very possibly I was breathing some of the last air that I would ever breathe. I'd already, in one of those cases, said goodbye to my wife and told her to tell my kids, and all you guys, I loved you. That's how close it was. 
And paramedics are saying, stay with me. Stay with me. I want to confess to you. If it was me without Jesus, I would have been terrified. I would have been uncontrollably frightened. But each of those four times when I've been near death, there's been something given to me that I didn't earn, I didn't study it in seminary, I didn't get it because you prayed for me, maybe. But God gave me courage that I'd never felt before. And not only was I not afraid in those moments thinking that I'm about to go to heaven, I'm gonna close my eyes and see Jesus instantly. Not only was I not afraid each of those times, there was a sense inside of my heart that it was an impossibility for me to be afraid. The New Testament says perfect love does what? Casts out fear. One of those times after God allowed a, a car fell on top of me when I was 19 years old, I, I thought, breathe my last, meeting Jesus. He saved my life. They got the car off of me. And I asked one time, an elder of our church, I said, in the hospital, I said, why was I not afraid? And he started saying, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Not, for you are tough. You are courageous, because I'm not. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you think Jesus is going to be with us at church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and not be with us in the times that we might suffer? I tell you what, he's more real to you in those times. Not only was I not afraid, and that's not me, he gave supernatural courage I'd never experienced before. There was an impossibility for me to be afraid. In each of those times, I couldn't wait to go tell somebody. You afraid to die? You afraid to suffer for Christ's sake? Me too. But guess what? You'll know his strength more than you've ever known it. You'll know his presence more than you've ever felt it before. You'll know his courage, and it'll be like you looking in the mirror. Who is this? I don't recognize you. Because that's the kind of God we have. Jesus wouldn't say, don't be afraid and not give us the ability to do it. So I want to encourage you. Hold on. Hold fast. Press on to the end. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be deceived. Stay in your Bible. Stay in prayer. Stay in obedience to the Lord. If you don't know Jesus here tonight, this, these verses ought to scare you to death. If you do know Jesus here tonight, take courage. Because just when you need it, he will show up. He's always there, but he will show his presence like you've never felt it before. Well, the men are going to help with communion. Would you all make sure that everybody has one? If you don't have one of the communion cups, would you raise your hand? These men can help you with it. Uh, Tony, if you want to come up and lead us, and Joel, whatever you have planned for, for our uh, communion time. I'm going to stay here tonight. Um, for anybody that wants to, if you're not sure you're saved, I can't save you, but I can pray with you. If you're here tonight and you say, Mike, I'm afraid, I don't know what tomorrow holds, we'll talk with you, we'll pray with you, we'll look back at these verses. But if you know Jesus, I just want to encourage you. 
He won't let you go through something. Did Jesus say these words, I will never leave you or forsake you? He keeps his word. And I can testify. You want to hear about it? I'll tell you. I'm about to go to heaven. Whoa. I'd be afraid if it weren't for the one who gave courage. So, just know. The old version of the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. God's eyes go over the whole earth. I wonder who will let me do a mighty work in their life today. Isn't that cool? God's looking to see. He's looking down to see who's looking up to him. He said, I'll show how strong I am if they'll just ask me. Ah, I love it. Do you think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? He asked the Father, Father, would you let this cup pass from me? But if there's no other way that it'll pass, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he he sweated like drops of blood. He was in agony. He was a human. And how much more fearful would it have been for him? We wouldn't have known what the cross was going to feel like ahead. He knew what it was going to feel like before he suffered it. And he he is in agony and he's crying out to his father. But father, if the only way that this cup will pass, this cup of suffering and death, is I drink it, not my will, but yours be done. You know what the Bible says? The angels came and ministered to him. His father was right there with him in in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had prepared his disciples earlier when they began to eat that meal together. He had taught them in his doctrine that Moses had given bread which came down from heaven, but it really wasn't from Moses. That manna was a gift from God to Israel and to sustain them, to get them through the wilderness into the promised land. But Jesus said, I'm the bread which has come down from heaven. If you eat of this bread, you'll never die. They didn't understand what all that meant. But Jesus was preparing them for the fact that he was about to give his life on the cross of Calvary. When we take this wafer, the symbol of the body of Christ here tonight, we do so with the confidence to know that Jesus did it just for you. If you'd have been the only one that was ever alive, he still would have died on the cross for you. And the book of Corinthians, the scripture tells us before we partake of these elements, we need to pray to make sure our heart is right with him. So I'm gonna ask us all to bow in a few moments of silent prayer and then I'll pray together. Would you personally thank him for his body, which is the bread that we'll partake of, and for his blood that was shed for you? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, if there's anything in any heart beginning with mine that I would come to this Lord's Supper table and I would come with a heart that's not right with you, would you please forgive me? Take it out of our lives. Wash us and make us clean. Prepare us now to take communion. And Lord, as you gave to your disciples that night and you said, this is the bread which has come down from heaven. I am the bread of life. Would you bless the bread and the cup that we partake of? In Jesus' name, 
Amen.